This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. To all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because as it prospers, you too will prosper. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Wow. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hi, and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We have the final part of a great message for you now from Pastor Jeff. He's been talking about table communities, communities that invite people into relationship, maybe around the dinner table, just as God wants us to have real connection with Him. If you've missed any messages, you just need to search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of the message. One of my favorite preachers is Mike Bro. Have you ever heard of him? When Mike Bro was the pastor at Southland Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, he did something one weekend. He dressed up as an old woman. I mean, put a dress on, put layers and layers of coat like a bag lady, like a homeless person, and a straw hat, and he pulled it down over his eyes and dark sunglasses, and he waited till the service started, and he was scheduled to preach that weekend. So he waited till the music started, and he started to walk in, and he took a seat right in the middle. As he made his way in, by the way, he said he made sure that he just was rank with odor. As he walked in, people the entire way just looked at him like, why why are you here? What are you doing here? And then when he walked across the middle aisle, the people who you seated beside got up and moved. And then when it was time for the sermon, there was an awkward silence because nobody knew where Mike was. And after he thought time had been well served, he stood up and he walked out the aisle and he started walking up the stage. As he's walking, he's removing layers of clothing so that by the time he gets to the podium, everybody realizes it's Mike Bro. Can you imagine being the people who moved to the other chairs? He didn't say a word. Well, he did. He simply started to read from James 2 and it said this, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? The point of the passage is not about rich and poor. The point of the passage is favoritism of any kind, discrimination against anybody who's not like you. But this is what tower people do. This is what tower people do. They build their towers, and then they build these little edifices, not only at church, but at work, 
in their communities. They build a tower and they see their neighbors as us and them. It's the kind of person that doesn't even know the names of his neighbors, never even greeted them, met them, never invited them over, sees them as far from God and hopes they stay far from God and far from him. That's tower people. He goes to work and he doesn't hang out with the heathens. My older brother went through a time in his life when he was incredibly religious, okay, dogmatic. And I noticed every time I would come home from furlough from Africa and I would have lunch with him, he always would eat by himself. I'd go to his workplace, hey, let's have lunch. I haven't seen you for a couple of years. And this happened time after time. And finally one day I said, man, why? why? You've been here how 20 years now, the same job, and you eat by yourself. What's going on? And he looked at me and he said, well, they're Baptist. <laughs> you talk about exclusive. I wonder what he thinks about people who are not Christian. Can't even eat with a Baptist. This is the problem. The problem with all of us. Tower people are exclusive. They say keep out. And they tend to talk down. Table people are inclusive. They invite everybody in. And they tend to talk across. It's not that table people don't realize that when you invite everybody in, you never know who's going to show up. They could be Giants fans. Worse yet, they could be Raiders fans. <laughs> they could be Democrats or Republicans. They could be people who like different music or different movies or different races. But things begin to come alive. Listen, this is the most important point I want to make here. Tower people live under the illusion that by building the tower, that is the best way to do life. When the reality is it's the worst place to do, the worst way to do life, and here's why. If you just surround yourself with people like you, you're robbing yourself of the joy and the spice of life. Every time I've lived in a different country, God has sent a family next door to open my eyes to different people, different cultures. I believe that God's done this on purpose because one day he knew that I'd be pastoring here. Look how diverse you are. I love it. I wish we were even more, but we're getting that way. I told you a few weeks ago, I don't want to be pastor of an all-white church. Not that I have anything against white people. I am one. <laughs> but heaven is diverse. Church should be diverse. And here we are. I, I know that in these different families and cultures, I, my life is so much more enriched. I, I would have spent my entire life eating meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes and soup beans. They're great, but... Is that all there is? And then when I lived in Africa, the De Silva's moved in, an Indian family. And every Sunday afternoon after church, they would invite Robin and me over to their house, and they would lay out this huge table. They were a huge family of all Indian food. I couldn't spell it. I didn't know how to pronounce it. But man, was it good. I never knew the world had so many different spices. And we would watch Dynasty, what you call Dynasty, and Dallas, and just eat all afternoon. Then we moved to New Zealand, and our best friends, our next-door neighbors, were Iraqis. And this was during the Iraqi war. Didn't seem to bother us. We were best mates. Her name was Kalud, and she would cook something called baklava for me. Have you ever had baklava? If you haven't, then you've not lived. Baklava is what they give you when you go to heaven. It's the first entree. It's the plate. They just take some baklava. Here, have some baklava. 
She would make me these dishes with nuts and raisins. And again, I couldn't pronounce it or say it. I just know, man, keep it coming. I loved her. I miss her so much. <laughs> and then we moved here. And God recently has sent this great family called the Della Vegas into our lives. The Della Vegas, interesting family. Here's the thing about the Della Vegas. They're from the Philippines. We invited them over for July 4th. I got home. I had to work some in the morning. There he was, Henry himself, cooking on the grill, my grill. <laughs> he was cooking. There were no hamburgers or hot dogs. It's the 4th of July. I'm an American. Where's my hamburger? At first, I was pretty disappointed until he brought these huge pork chops over that had spices on them that made it taste like baklava. <laughs> it was that good. It just tastes, it was so good. I think of all the spice of life that happens when you live outside the tower. Let me keep going on this. Just stay with me for a second. It'll all come out in the end. But you know what my wife did for her 53rd birthday? Let me show you. We got video. <laughs> What's wrong with her? That's what she did for her 53rd birthday. My son and my daughter took her surprise skydiving. She loved it. She said she had a hard time breathing at first, but she loved it. My son and daughter said, hey, do you want to go skydiving? I said, sure, I'll come right after my root canal. <laughs> no way, man, I'm doing that. My wife and I have nothing in common, zero. I, it, it's just the truth. I've said this before. But you know, I need her. Man, she's opened up a whole new world to me. Now, sometimes I don't go into that world. I'll stay home and watch it on video. But she's opened a whole new world. Food, I mean, I can't imagine where I... I think today, had I not met this woman, I really do think today that I would be in East Tennessee somewhere at a church of about 200 people, nothing wrong with that, in the country, eating meat, potatoes, and pinto beans for the rest of my life. So God brings this woman into my life, and the whole world opens up. Here's the problem with tower people. If you surround yourself with people like you, you think that the Spirit of God is working in your life to conform you to the image of His Son, but chances are high that He's not. Because the thing about bricks is they, they go smoothly together, but rocks with pointy edges rub up and there's friction. And friction is the only way you'll ever be able to grow. You can never grow into the person God wants you to become until you're around people who aren't like you. And you're forced to learn patience and unconditional love and grace and mercy. Let me tell you, marriage will do that for you. I promise you. <laughs> Your identity can only be discovered by distinction. You'll never know who you truly are if you're just around people like you all the time. But when there's all kinds of differences in diversity, then you'll know, hey, here's who I am. This is what sets me apart. This is what makes me unique. We've talked about this before, that the Greek word periosmos and the Greek word thlipsis are Greek words in the Bible translated pain. And both of those words have their history in taking off your shoes and stepping into the wine press and squeezing the grapes until the good stuff comes out. You gotta be, you gotta be pressured You've got to be thrown out of your comfort zone. You've got to be around people who aren't like you, people who don't vote like you, people who don't look like you, people who don't eat the things you eat. But the spice of life comes alive. 
Remember Ricky? Ricky was one of those guys. I always thought he looked just like Sam Elliott. Put a cowboy hat on him, man, he looks just like Sam Elliott. Ricky was one of those guys, very tough life. Addictions, estrangement from his family, a period of homelessness, imprisonment. But because there was a table person who invited him to have a seat around the table, he met God and everything changed. I mean everything. He wanted to make everything right. He reunited with his daughter. He worked around here and gave so much volunteer of his time. Just wanted to do, and he was so happy. But he was like a sharp stone. When you rub up against him, man, you might get cut. It's awkward. As a matter of fact, can I just confess something to you? Sometimes during the week, when I'd come out of my office to go down and get a drink in the cafe or a a sandwich, I'd peek around the corner to see if make sure Ricky wasn't there. Because a conversation with Ricky wasn't just two minutes. It could last the rest of the day. But he meant well. He, he, he saw me as his personal mentor, and he wanted answers to questions about this God stuff. And sometimes he would tell me a story, and I'd say, now, Ricky, you know I'm the pastor here. There's probably another story you should tell me. But it's okay. Come around the table. Have a seat. Tell me the stories, Ricky. Tower people would never take in a guy like Ricky. And there are a lot of you in the room that are here because you met a table person. Before I move on to finish the last point, I have to hurry here. The sad thing is that you can not only build a tower as an individual, but you can build it as a corporation. Do you know that's why denominations exist? When you build a tower, you can build it to an ideology. And then you only want people around you that agree with your ideology or your theology even, even though theology is a good thing. Some of my favorite people are Seventh-day Adventists. I find them very interesting. And I've had a lot of dealings with them. My favorite joke is a Seventh-day Adventist joke. It's about the guy who goes over to his neighbor when he finds his neighbor working on Saturday, the Sabbath. And he says to his neighbor, why are you working on Saturday? Don't you know this is the Sabbath? And his neighbor responds by saying, Jesus worked on the Sabbath. And the Seventh-day Adventist says, two wrongs don't make a right. (laughs) Wow. When your theology excludes Jesus, you probably have a problem. We had to rent their facility when I lived in New Zealand because they didn't need it on Sunday. They had all these buildings and properties and our church was growing. So I went to the department heads and I said, we'd like to rent your nice community center on Sunday because I know you don't use it on Sunday. I also knew they were small and they needed the money. I thought I was going in to just be grilled a little bit on what we were doing, what our vision was, but I sat with them for two and a half hours and they only had one question in mind and it was this, do you agree with our point of view concerning the millennial? They wanted to know if I was premillennial, postmillennial, or millennial. And they kept asking me, do you believe Jesus is coming back soon? Because their view is you have to believe that Jesus is coming back really soon. And I felt if I answer this the wrong way, we're not going to get this building. (laughs) But I got to be honest, nobody really knows. If Jesus didn't know, I sure don't know. And so I said, I certainly hope so. And that was good enough. We got the building. (laughs) I certainly hope he does. But I don't know. 
Here's the thing about tower people. They come up with these ideologies like premillennialism, postmillennialism, amillennialism, or Calvinism and Arminianism and other schisms that tend to divide. And although they're not bad in and of themselves, they just surround themselves with people. And let me tell you why they do it. Let me tell you why they do it. And I can say this because I've been there. They do it because even among their brothers and sisters in Christ, they need a feeling of superiority. And to them, it's important to gain their significance by believing something that you don't and thinking somehow they have the higher ground. And that's how you know the difference between tower people and table people. Tower people talk down to you. Table people talk across. But you know what the worst thing is about tower people? They separate themselves so far away from everybody else that they speak a language nobody understands. I call it a, the internal tower of the linguistic divide. It's when churches start using language that anybody who comes on the outside has no idea what you're talking about. Not that that's bad. It's only bad if you don't really care to explain it. If you ask some people on the outside what a love offering is, I asked somebody that and they said, it's a hug. <laughs> Think about it, love offering, a hug. Do you know what filling the spirit means? Yeah, it means you're hungover. <laughs> Not filling the spirits, filling the spirit. <laughs> Stephen Maharg, my associate, heard the message last night and he said, I want to go home and write something, I'll send it to you. And he wrote something, he's a very clever dude. Here's what he sent me. Imagine going to church and the pastor stands up and says, welcome to our sanctuary where the blessings of Yahweh and his hedge of protection will bless you like Jabez as we fellowship through stewardship, bringing our tithes into the storehouse for his glory as we celebrate the propitiatory sacrifice till the rapture when the lamb becomes the lion and restores the redeemed, justified, sanctified brethren. Selah, amen. <laughs> amen. Now, nothing wrong with any of that, but imagine. Tower people create their own special language nobody else gets, and they don't care that nobody else gets it. The table people, they go out and they build up, build out rather, and they talk across and they major in the majors. They compel people not to an ideology or a favorite dogma, but to the one thing that matters the most, to Jesus Christ, the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. So finally, let's, let's finish this. Tower people are settlers. Tower people are exclusive. And finally, tower people are all about making a name for themselves. Right? Look what happens in verse 4 of tower people. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. I go to Zimbabwe, Africa quite often to do and visit the work we have there. There's a big church there, huge church. Seats over 4,000 people, which is very rare in Africa. It's very modern, very expensive. In fact, the leaders of the church paid Robert Mugabe a $2 million bribe to be able to build it. And when you drive in, every 50 feet, there's a huge poster and sign, a picture of the pastor and his wife. So you pass like 20 signs. And you almost think as you're going that, whose church is this? <laughs> Here's how you notice the difference between a tower leader and a table leader. A tower leader is unapproachable and intimidating. A table leader is approachable and inviting. So here's what I want to say to you. Will you help me build this table?
And if you haven't gotten it yet, let me just run through these things. Towers are about your name. Tables are about one name. Towers are about your agenda for your life and your kingdom. Tables are about God's agenda for all lives in his kingdom. Towers are all about my name, my money, my goals, my objectives and dreams, making a name and a kingdom for myself. Tables are all about God's name, his vision, his objectives, dreams for all people who will call on his name. Towers are about selfishness. Tables are about selflessness. Towers are give me what I want. Tables are how can I serve you? Would you like a chair? How about some mashed potatoes? Who are you? I've never seen you before. Welcome. Everybody has a seat at the table. Towers are about having your say. Tables are about God having his say into every single area of every single life. Towers are all about what we can do. Tables are all about what God will do through his people. And that's a tall order. It's a tall order that God demands. Will you help me? Will you help me build this table? Please. Will we never settle down and we say that's enough? That we're so frustrated with empty chairs that we want to break out the latch and make the table bigger so that everyone who hasn't come into the banquet would come in. Will you help me? Will you help me do that? Will you help me to resist building a tower to our name and build a table to the name of Christ? Never forsaking what we truly believe, that there's only one name under the heavens by which we are called to be saved, and that's Jesus Christ and him alone. But we realize that it'll take some people some time to get there. And so everybody has a seat at the table. Which mentality do you have? If it's a tower mentality, you're all about safety, security, non-sacrificial, protective of your wants and needs, stay in rather than go out, feelings of superiority, consumer type, comfortable type of person. But if you're table mentality, you have this desire to go out, to leave safety and security behind, to hold firm to your beliefs, but not with superiority. You don't talk down to people, you talk across. And above everything else, this is how you live. Luke 14, 23. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads into the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Which one are you? And if your tower, will you have the courage? What happens to every tower eventually? It comes crashing down. The table of God will last forever. If you're a tower person, become a table one. Do something in your life this week that would exhibit you really are a table guy or girl. Father, thank you for the passion that you showed in pursuing us. And I pray for our church and our people that we would lose our tower mentality of building up, but rather we'd want to build out. We'd spread out the table, knowing that everything that happens around this table ultimately is what every individual in life is looking for. Love, acceptance, hope, significance, security for the future. Father, help us to be so inviting that everybody's invited back for seconds and thirds. And even when they don't measure up to what we think they ought to be, that we would take a good look and recognize how only in moving into relationship with them will we be able to become the people that we're called to be through the friction and pressure of life conform to the image of your son. In his name we pray. Amen. 
You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.